And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So we're all familiar with fintech. We use it. We love it. We hate it. We invest in it. We don't. It's everywhere and it's probably not going away. So, you know, that's that's the real question. I mean, as, as fintech something worth investing in, I've got a subject matter expert with me today. And before I introduce who will be joining us, today's episode of Startup Hustles powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. With me today, I have Marcos Fernandez and Marcos is in the managing partner at Fiat Ventures. It's a venture capital and private equity firm out of San Francisco, California. I have a feeling a few people listening to the show today have heard of that place. So without further ado, Marcos, welcome to Startup Hustle. Matt, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I've been a, a longtime listener and great to finally be on here. Yeah. And uh, well, I, I almost want to say glad to have you back because the, the, everyone listening doesn't know that we just had a technical issue and, you know, we're back kind of, it's like Groundhog Day <laughs> almost. So, yeah, here we are. But, but uh, you know, let's, <laughs> let's restart our conversation with a little bit about your backstory. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Second time is always better than, than yeah, first. Yeah, always. Um, yeah, so so you know, quick backstory on myself. I, I started my career in management consulting, uh, working on uh, large tech implementations in the state and local government space. Loved the technology, did not like the speed. So I went to business school where um, uh, at UT Austin, uh, so so Hook'em Horns, uh, where I got to meet a, a classmate of mine who was just starting to work in this budding fintech ecosystem back in San Francisco, and uh, I, I was very fortunate to start working with a company. Uh, initially started on student loan refinancing and then expanding uh, called SoFi. At that time, it was social finance, uh, then shortened to SoFi, and was really uh, uh, instrumental in helping them launch the next set of products that, that we brought to market. And the role that I really took was, you know, taking these opportunities under my wing, getting them from zero to one, seeing what that early product market fit was. And then as we started to launch, scale those with other teams. And I just kind of moved on to the next one and the next one and the next one. And you know, from that, I started advising and, and uh, doing some small angel checks into a lot of the early fintech ecosystem in San Francisco and got to know my two now, my partners now really, really well. So Alex Harris was the head of growth at Chime from Series A to D. Drew is at Steady, uh, helping folks in the 1099 space. And they started co-advising some companies uh, and that grew so quickly that they started doing it full time. And I was an early advisor to what they're building and that's Fiat Growth. So Fiat Ventures is our venture capital fund. Fiat Growth is our consultancy. Fast forward to today, we've worked with over 100 clients driving over a billion in revenue and have all sorts of services from go to market all the way to paid uh, MarTech stack implementations, data integration, lifecycle partnerships, you name it. And that really kind of puts us in the middle of the fintech ecosystem as operators and advisors. And what we learned really quickly is we have an incredible opportunity to invest in the best companies that are building for the next you know, future waves of what fintech is. So 
Less than two years ago, I joined full-time, uh, started opening up our venture fund. Uh, fast forward to today, we just announced our first fund was closed at $25 million. We're actively deploying capital in, in early stages and early growth stages and really find ourselves at the center of this, this you know, ecosystem. Um, so that's a quick, quick background on myself. I'll kind of pause there, but happy to and excited to dive into to all things fintech. Well, if you're interested in learning more about the fund, you can go to fiat.vc. There's a link for that in the show notes. There's a link for that uh, down there for fullscale.io. I recommend clicking and check, checking these things out while you listen to the show. It gives you a little more context. Now, speaking of context, FinTech stands for financial technology and refers to the use of technology to improve and automate financial services and processes. FinTech companies use innovative technology to provide financial services that could be payment processing, digital banking, personal finance management, investment advice, and the goal of FinTech is to make financial services more accessible, efficient, and convenient for consumers and businesses. So there's a lot of disruption that goes on in that space. And then sometimes I look at the FinTech that's around me and I'm like, WTF, man, why is this not why is the why is this the why are you the way that you are fintech? And I think a lot of people have like you know have that kind of love hate relationship with some of it, which is maybe why we should invest more into it. Now, when you talk about you know fintech in general, I mean it's making it made a huge huge leap forward. You know, I, I don't know. I turned forty eight years old this year, and I remember when PayPal came out, and people were like, wow. Wow, I don't have to send a check for that eBay purchase, and so, but that, I mean that was fintech, and that was. Mm -hmm. But look at but Absolutely. look at the footprint that that left. I think that was our friend Elon, right? Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah, just a couple, get, couple other started there, then, there, right? Yeah, yeah. Right back when yeah. he was an upstart entrepreneur. But you know, I mean, <laughs> the the term, but with the term fintech, that's so broad. And when we when we narrow it down, like you mentioned, uh, you've had uh, history working with crypto and stuff like that. Is is that is that the current still the current like thing that everyone's going to be obsessed about? Because you know, obviously, crypto's got. Well, so I don't like to date our, we're recording this on February 6th, but this doesn't come out till March, end of March. And, and who knows, we may get a couple more failed crypto exchanges before then for all we know, <laughs> but like, you know, as, as some of that putting a stain on investing in FinTech right now? Um, short answer is absolutely right. I, I think what happens in any technology and especially FinTech over the last two to three years is people get excited about the opportunities that are being created the possibilities of what what can be produced, uh, and then very quickly, you know, folks folks start to get a little bit impatient, or you have some bad actors like what happened with FTX, what you're referring to on the crypto side. And the the thing that we've seen across any type of technology, not just fintech, is people often underestimate, you know, the total impact that it's going to have, but overestimate how quickly that that impact's going to take place. And this is just one example of that. Like a lot of the failure, at least in the cryptocurrency space, wasn't because of the underlying technology that's being built. It's because of bad actors who are central to the trust of those systems. So again, it's just unfortunately human error and a lack of human intervention. And what I hope is a lot more oversight in the crypto space, especially for US exchanges, so that just folks don't get burned as hard. So that's a whole separate rabbit hole, but but you're yeah, right. Like there, there has been a little bit of a tarnish on it. Well, so much of the of the discussion and the the decentralized nature of crypto has been like no oversight, no regulation. I mean, doing what you're doing now, crypto world is not gonna is not gonna lead to that. 
So, but yeah. I, I think anytime you have emerging technology, um, you can get like slow adoption. And I think the first thing that I saw that, well, cre- payment processing was a big one. You know, you had PayPal and now Stripe's kind of the, the big thing. And, you know, they're, that's a multi-billion dollar thing. I mean, I, with, with, with FinTech as, is the very first thing that that well that was solved it was connect well connectivity and payment transactional issues which me as being someone who wants sold physical things everyone hates that three percent yeah and I'm talking about that credit card processing fee but it seems to, like I don't understand why they need three percent of my money to give me my money but there's a lot to go with, you know, that goes with that. And, you know, that's something that's always going to get complained about, whether it's the credit card transaction at the at the cash register or on your website. But you talk about Stripe. I think Stripe's probably, uh, you know, it was such a pain in the ass to install any kind of credit card processing on a website until Stripe came along and kind of standardized that. I, the, you see a lot of stuff now like Plaid has made mm-hmm. has done a really good by the way i have no vested interest in, in plugging any of these any of these <laughs> things but it's just my own personal observation because you know you want to uh all right i was trying to connect my fan duel account to <laughs> my bank account safely and wisely so i could wager on the chiefs being in the super bowl <laughs> depending on you now you listening to this you will already know whether that went well or not because i'm a kansas city chiefs <laughs> fan so but you look at something like plaid which made that it's it's now something i recognize and it'll make that connection and i feel good about it what's the next wave of like fintech obviously we mentioned crypto but what are some of the other things that we're likely to see shake shake things up over the next 10 years yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the short answer is it's not going to be what we've seen so far. So the repurposing of our existing financial lives through a wealth management app like a Robinhood or a neobank like a Chime or a SoFi. What we see it being is really the intersection of financial technology with every industry under the sun. And what I mean by that is embedded solutions that allow everyone, whether you're a healthcare provider or you're uh, an e-commerce merchant, or if you're a climate tech focused company, the intersections of FinTech with every other vertical uh, out there. And that does a lot of things. One is, is it makes uh, the experience that we have today with our normal FinTechs interoperable with every other company. And it, it makes it easier to do things like payments or loans within those ecosystems. It helps those companies in those ecosystems better serve their client base. What you see today is like even in things like ed tech or, or state and local government, you're still solving a lot of old problems through traditional, you know, manual intervention, written checks, things going out that are very slow. And we see fintech continuing to proliferate into those areas. So that's that's one big one. Um, we see the future of ownership changing a lot. So the ability for someone like you and I to take a percent ownership in a video recording, a movie. Uh, a song, uh, ownership of a team, right? So you're talking about the Chiefs and how they're coming up to play in in, in a Super Bowl. Like in the future, it's not. I see a Raiders helmet in the background, though. By the way. Yeah, yeah. That's how I tell people. That's how you know I'm a, a loyal person because it's been a long walk in the desert. <laughs> we can't all have Mahomes. Some of so us. So you're going to try to buy. Part, you want to buy like part of the Raiders through fractional ownership and in, in a in a future world. I, I, I would I would think so, yeah. Although you, they may have to give those out after. This I was going to say I would maybe I would maybe <laughs> recommend that you really think that out. 
Yeah, they they pay you for that one. They pay you for that one. Oh, I see. Um, I see. <laughs> yeah, and and then the third one, right? Is you know, and there's there's plenty more we can dive into, but like the next generation coming on to financial services. So Gen Z uh, is more financial literate than any other generation in history. And the reason why is I know when I was going through school, I'd have like an econ class and they're like, great, now go out and do taxes and know how to invest and understand all these things. Gen Z is much more active in thinking about how they make money through side hustles and then how they manage that money. And so there's a lot of fintechs that are starting to cater to that generation. The biggest difference being is the background is all the same. So just general ledgers and helping you better manage and invest your money. But the, the UI and UX is completely different because they're trying to showcase it in a way that that, that generation is used to digesting information. So think about something that mimics like a TikTok scroll or a Snapchat scroll. But really what it is, is it's providing you value and understanding your financial services. So the relationship with money, the future of work, of what's coming up next will be a huge driver of financial technology and just general innovation over the next decade. I'll just kind of pause there. There's, that's, that's a lot coming in and, and well, certainly sure. a lot more. Sure. And I had, I had mentioned that connectivity. Like you look at a site like Plaid that has made, okay, so if you haven't used Plaid, and for those of you, you know, what I found is we've had listeners in 194 countries. So there may be something similar to it that is not called Plaid in Europe or whatever. But, um, you know, so let's just say you go to buy a Tesla or something and you want to connect to a bank to get a loan. Traditionally, you have to fill out all these papers. You got to go through all this stuff. And, you know, like Plaid is something that could let you connect your personal bank account to a lender. Uh, it could also be for business purposes. You know, we've used it to connect to, man, a number of different things that just try to make the transfer of data and math a lot easier for all of us. And, and, you know, and that's the thing is, is, you know, we, we saw this, you go back to, you know, 2010 or even 2012, 10 years ago, and things were still very terribly connected. And, you know, you have a billion websites on the internet now and you're like, Oh yeah, they can just talk to each other. Can they? Cause you know, you have all these different systems that run into stuff and, and, you know, FinTech, uh, uh, you, you talk about this convenience of use and I, I've been preaching about onboarding for five years on this show because the, the simplest connections with the fewest number of steps will result in the highest number of successful transactions. And you don't, mm -hmm. and that's not just my opinion. I mean, there's a lot, there's science behind that. And it's why Amazon Absolutely. has invested so much money into helping you buy something with one click. I mean, we do the same thing on the full scale website. It used to, it used to take about 10 minutes to answer all the questions. And I was like, we can ask most of these later. You know, and, and so now in under two minutes, we can ask the questions that we need to know to match up um, a, a highly technical company with highly technical people right there in our platform. Now, uh, you talk about the connection forward, like we still don't use things like Plaid to collect our payments from people. And we have too high of a ticket value to want to charge them on credit cards because that 3% would be huge. I'd pay a ton mm -hmm. of money every month for a lot, I would pay a lot in credit card transactions. And, you know, so there's solutions that go in there. And, um, you know, the other things too is, you know, the nature of my business, I send millions of dollars uh, overseas 
in many mm-hmm. cases. So, you know, the, the act of doing that is, is also very expensive and we're always open for learning. You know, we've looked at a number of different things. It's something like Ripple or, or mm-hmm. any kind of like crypto able to, you know, do that. The problem is, is we still have to turn it into the foreign currency. Okay. So there's these weird barriers that, that, that end up in there. And, you know, there's, so, and I want to, you made a comment like as, as FinTech dad or investing in it, no, um, but I want to get into that. I, I, I want to remind everybody first that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team fullscale.io to learn more. So, okay. Before the pandemic hit, ed tech was dead. And then it, and then it was like, risen from the ashes like the phoenix when we all needed it you know so these things are these things are ebb and flow i had literally had a conversation with someone two months before the the pandemic and they said to me the words ed tech's dad I, no one wants to invest in ed tech and then i had a conversation with that same person four months later that was like yeah we're really high on ed tech right now I'm like all right well, these things change and you know what's the what's the business why does everyone think fintech is is struggling the way that it is from an investment or return standpoint yeah i, I think the main reason is because people think of fintech as um like i mentioned like like as a chime or robin hood they, they see it as being a consumer focused application and and they're right like there's only so many of those that can that can be come about or be launched the other thing too, right, is public uh, multiples. So, so just what public companies are trading at re- relative to their revenue has come way down for technology as a whole, but especially fintech. That just means that people now are realizing companies need to be profitable and generate revenue. The reason why fintech is far from being dead is because it is far from just those consumer-focused applications. And there are so many ways that we can embed fintech into all parts of our lives, right? You mentioned Plaid. Plaid was a fantastic example of an early embedded solution where at that time we had to integrate into every major bank directly. So this is when I was at SoFi. And because Plaid came around and, and helped create a layer above that so that you could automatically connect and can, uh, provide information, you could work within those bounds of requirements for that personally identifiable information, it made it so much easier to be able to interact. Or like you mentioned with cross-border payments, when I was at Ripple and opening up you know, new markets for us, one of the biggest challenges is that even if you're sending millions of dollars worth, and I'm sure you see this, you work through multiple correspondent banks, you don't know where your money is. And the only time you hear back from that bank that you initiated a payment with is if the money doesn't get there and it breaks five to 6% of the time. I can't believe that we're in 2023 right now and cross-border payments of that size still break that, that amount. So there's a lot of innovation to be had and, and, and things that we don't see quite there yet. And that's where we're spending our time. And, and the beauty of what we get to do, Matt, and, and I know you do this too, is we're not thinking about what's the next trend, you know, next quarter or next year. We try to think about what does the world look like in five to 10 to 15 years. And then you want to put money behind those companies that are building for it. So when we think about what does that world look like, right? Work is very different. Today, you need a W-2 in order to, to get a, a loan from a bank or an, a, an auto loan. In the future, People are going to have multiple jobs at the same time, generating income from multiple sources. I, I know you know this, you know, hosting a podcast and having your own company and advising a bunch of companies, you can no longer underwrite in the future the way that you do today. 
So companies are going to have to adapt. FinTechs are going to be at the forefront of that, setting the cadence of like, what does that look like? Talking about tomorrow, we we mentioned future of ownership. Well, what does that look like? And how are you going to manage that? How are you going to make sure that you can't, um, you know, uh, mess with those records? Well, immutable technology from from blockchain technologies is what's going to lead that. When we think about, you know, the advancements of broadband and AI, generative AI is going to be impactful for every single industry, including financial technology, not just from, you know, the way that we pick stocks and think about winners, but like think about everything from like customer service and better interactions with your users, better recommendations engines, creating a bottomless scroll for financial services that you would see in these other social apps. There's just a whole handful of, of, of things that are getting built right now. And, and pretty soon what we're going to see is like financial technology is going to blend with all these other technologies where it's not going to feel that much different from, from what we expect from, from just every interaction that we have elsewhere. So again, that's, that's kind of a, a mouthful and a whole bunch of different things, but that's where we get really excited is no, like FinTech will die when, uh, when, when money dies, right? When I was going no to say, yeah, yeah, it can't. Right. I mean, if, right. if the idea that FinTech at this point would die, then that means commerce and money are also dead, which might be a, that's a, that's a whole nother discussion that I don't, in a world that I don't think any of us probably want to live in. Now let's go all the way back to banks. Now uh, mm -hmm. I know that people listening to this show have tried to establish a relationship with a, a probably a laughable relationship with a bank. And mm -hmm. so this is an example of fintech, right? Let's okay. Why are banks so freaking archaic with the way that they do things? Well, first off, they're kind of used to that world in a lot of cases. Second off, they're bound by a lot of rules and regulations that don't let them do a lot of stuff. And I've, I kind of get my foot all the way in my mouth when I talk about startups and banks, because it's an oxymoronic kind of relationship on many days, especially if you're a tech company. You know, the, the whole thing is, is like, you know, you could have you could have a company that's worth 50 million dollars that isn't profitable and therefore cannot get a loan from a bank because despite its its very sizable amount of revenue, cash flow and investment, unless that investment is what they are using to leverage the loan. The bank's going to say no. I'm sorry, but me in the meantime, the bank will give a loan to a niche parts manufacturer that has truckloads of bolts that only serve one purpose on this planet. And if repossess mean nothing to the bank, but they can get a loan because that's something tangible that they can, they can leverage against. This is an example of things needing to needing to change, you know, other things too, is, you know, you mentioned the immutable ledger that comes with blockchain. I don't think people realize how much fraud loss and bullshit, occur in the financial services industry and someone's got to pay for that somehow somewhere and that's going to come from everything and look no one likes paying taxes but you're but trust me for what you probably pay in taxes compared to what gets lost in the system or cheated through this or that because the worst enemy of fraud is the eraser Right. Like, right. And that's yeah. the whole purpose. Yeah. I think people, I, I hate the fact that crypto has currency attached to it in its name because most of it is yeah. not intended to be currency. Like, you know, you mentioned just like some of it, it's, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very confusing. I think people tried to look at it and be a little too op opportunistic with it. Um, 
I think there are some idealists that are like, yeah, Bitcoin's going to replace the fiat dollar. Probably not or not anytime right. soon. It takes way too long to do a transaction still. You know, so that's where mm-hmm. some of the other platforms and things that you see coming out that were that are faster and cheaper. And, you know, I mean, there's a weird nature. Like, why is a computer sitting around solving useless equations all day? The solution for stuff. It's not. It's the ledger that it creates. And that, 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 well, people have asked me, they're like, well, explain Bitcoin. I'm like, but people understand like with what WikiLeaks did by putting data in like a zillion different places almost instantaneously. So it was just impossible to erase. That's mm-hmm. an example of that's that's somewhat immutable in its mm-hmm. in its purpose, which means that you can't go back and use an eraser to to remove the amount and change something. And and dude, if you've ever done financial projections for your startup, you're maybe working on your anything, a zero, an extra zero turns a hundred grand into a million dollars. And that's a nine hundred thousand dollar error. And yeah that's nine times the size of the initial amount that's supposed to be in there. So these things, you know, these are the things now you can still record that error and you can see it. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, you know, and, and then another thing too, is like, I think the term FinTech is almost like saying software at this point, people are like, Oh, you, you right. build software. What kind? Like sometimes people I, I know, I know that are not in tech, they'll be like, so you like build websites or what? I haven't built a a website really. Well, not much of not, not many like the website itself. It's about all the back end stuff. So, all right. So, you know, when you look at like reasons to invest in, in FinTech, you've got growing markets. How much does like, Mm -hmm. so I go over to, I'm I'm headed back to the Philippines here in a, in a few days. Mm -hmm. And I look at a lot of the stuff that goes on and there's still, you know, there's a lot of, okay, they still give me like five paper receipts every time I buy something. And how much are the emerging markets of the rest of the world, not just the, the U.S. economy, how much is that considered into like future growth and like transactional value when it comes to fintech and globally? Yeah, you know, it's actually Southeast Asia that has led a lot of the innovation in financial technology, primarily around payments. And it was started, ironically, through the gig economy. So Gojek out of Indonesia and Grab um, out of Singapore really were the first ones to connect a lot of people just from that that classic car and ride sharing, you know, hopping on the back of a moped to hopping in a car. And they expanded over time very quickly to allow people to pay very easily and then to to purchase things. So purchase food and, and delivery. And they've really kind of led the forefront of it. You know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in Manila as well, where you know, you're still paying with hard cash, even in the central of the city. People are getting in queues for hours just to buy, you know, public transit and then wait in line for it. So there's a lot of inefficiency to be had so far. Oh, yeah. But, but what we've seen is, is that a, a lot of folks out there are doing it. And the reason why is this is, in the U.S., as, as you know, if I want to send you a wire, it can sometimes sometimes take one to three days. We don't know where it is, and it can also be expensive. And that's because our payment rails here were developed at the very forefront of, of that technology. This is like in the 80s when you're you know, putting really big servers together to process these, these large payments. But in these emerging markets, so Southeast Asia, Latin America, India – You've had people who have been able to solve those challenges decades after those first systems were implemented that allow you to do real-time payments and rails, which opens up and expands these whole set of new, new verticals and industries. So it's just an example of how fintech is really everywhere. 
And sometimes being the first mover isn't always an advantage. In fact, being the second or third or fourth mover can actually build better payments rails and better systems for you in those in those markets. So, um, well, you know, Philippines one of the is definitely an example of that. Well, one of the things you talk about with like the technological capability is there's a lot of bandwidth restrictions in these countries. Like I think we're mm-hmm. we're we're bandwidth spoiled in the United States on many days, you know, and the and I say that because, you know, they're in the Philippines, they're like on three G. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't even do we even bring that up here? Like, was the term 3G even used? Because I don't feel like I remember <laughs> it. Like 4G, 5G, I remember them marketing that, but that was like a big thing. So here's the thing is you got to make your systems work within the capabilities. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar, Grab is Uber, basically. Yes. And uh, and it was weird the first time I ordered one and a dude pulled up on a motorcycle, <laughs> wanted me to hop on the back, which is not a good thing for me because when I get out of the airplane in the Philippines, I start sweating immediately. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, me arms around and I weigh 260 pounds. I, those <laughs> vehicles are not made for me, brother. They're really not. So, yeah, both that whole mechanism and all of it. So, yeah, the cab, the cab is actually still a thing. I was talking mm-hmm. about that the other day. You know, you talk about disruption and people are like, oh, disruption can always exist. I mean, would you invest in a cab company right now? Because I wouldn't. So these no. things change, yeah. 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 Now, but, but, you know, back to these, these uh, it, it can be hard to, to get things adopted. And, and this is like rapidly changing and growing. And I think you're right. Like the, the, first, the first mover isn't always the best. I didn't realize Grab was out of Singapore. By the way, that's, that's where they're headquartered out of. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't yeah. remember where they started, but um, yeah, they're 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 out of Singapore, and then Gojek is another Uber competitor uh, okay. that's out of Jakarta um, in, in okay. Indonesia. But very similar uh, uh, moped experiences in, in either. So you can right, right, yeah. That's <laughs> oh man, I I, I digress because I could go down a huge rabbit hole on that. Please wear helmets. Just put on yes. helmets and quit wedging <laughs> your tight. baby. You cannot. It, the thing that drives me crazy is I'll see uh, uh, two people on a moped and they have a baby wedged in between them. Yeah, and I feel like if I place. did that here, I would go to jail and maybe even be on the news. Yeah, it would there's be no like husband there. and wife arrested with helmetless <laughs> baby on motorcycle. Yeah. You know, just like wow. So and there's no lanes. There's no lanes. There's no speed limits. You just there are, well, there are, goes. but there aren't. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a yeah. uh, oh man, I. I <laughs> I have a Tesla that drives me around now, which I think is great. And I often sit there and I'm like, this would not work. And no. so we, you mentioned Manila. We actually go to Cebu city. It's the biggest, second biggest city, but yeah, until mm-hmm. you've been there and witnessed that you have to, there has to be some kind of order before you could have something. I feel like my, my Tesla would probably just like <laughs> stop and just say, take over now. So Okay. So, you know, with, with, there's obviously a lot of increased competition in this stuff. I still think that you take a lot of these things like FinTech and you niche them down a couple levels. Like we're involved with a company here in Kansas city called lending standard, which, Mm. so you say like, where are the, where are the, the in-between points? So they specialize in creating efficiency when it comes to getting a loan to purchase a multifamily home. So mm-hmm. it's easy to look at something like, God, people are buying homes forever and we never created any efficiency for that specific lane. 
And, you know, cause you can buy a commercial property. They found ways to efficient, although there's a lot of goofy shit with that still. And then you can obviously homes still. And this is where you get into that whole thing. Like, I feel like it has gotten a lot easier when it comes to getting a loan, you know, like that's where FinTech has yes. really, really smoothed stuff out. And, you know, if you did, if you did, for example, like, well, we'll go back to Tesla. You can inside the Tesla app, do all of the, all of the stuff. Like they have like a one panel thing. And I wanted to check out like what that looked like. And they asked, there's six fields to, for, to get you approved for a loan. They want your name. They want your social. They want your house. Like, do you own it? They want you to put in the amount of the payment. They want your, the name of the company you work. Actually, maybe there's seven. The name of the company you work, your position, and, uh, and uh, how much you make. That's it. Now, I mean, you used, to, you used to go somewhere and fill out pages of stuff. You're out of place. I don't know. I look at Tesla and I'm like, wow, this is, you talk about the, the, what they have disrupted. I mean, that there, but there's a FinTech element in there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It goes with that too. And other things too. It's like, okay, so now you're, now you got, now you have your lease or your loan and now you're driving. And then, you know, I went on a trip to Arkansas and uh, I was like, shit, do I have to, I'd already connected my card to my Tesla app and I pull up to the charger and it, got like 12 minutes worth of charging. I don't even know how much it charged me until after, you know, I mean, I don't know. These, these are the little things that I think, you know, you have, so, so increased competitions out there. You talk about like Uber uh, it equals this in another place. That's always going to happen. Um, there's a high demand. Like, I mean, obviously like transactions are occurring everywhere every day. It's when the cash, I don't know. I, I kind of see cash on some levels like needing and wanting to disappear. You know, I now we we were talking Definitely about NFL games. So at the at the watching the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl again, I could not spend cash in the stadium, like it's cashless. There is not yeah. a cash transaction to be had in that joint. So like, I mean, that's going to trickle down. You look at things like oh, it's will send me Venmo. How does Venmo <laughs> even make money, by the way? We're, um, we're, we're looking at alternatives to Venmo over time, right? Like it's, um, there's an app out there right now that allows you to be able to send people money just through text message based invoices. And, and it sounds like a really small piece of technology, but what's really interesting with something like that is that for their economy, particularly like think service workers who don't have access to the Venmos who don't have accounts that they can open up, it allows you to process payments in a much more seamless way. And, and I think when it comes to fintech, like we, we talk a lot about, you know, a lot of the companies that we know and love, but where we spend a lot of time too is understanding how does financial technology serve those from more underrepresented backgrounds, right? So financial mm-hmm. services as a whole, as primarily in these large banks, is catered to the top 10 to 15% of America because that's where they can make the most money. But there have, are a lot of opportunities to help out those, you know, throughout throughout that spectrum. And so... We're just huge proponents. And, and this is something else that you might not hear everywhere is, you know, doing so isn't just like the right thing to do, but it provides a huge opportunity for those founders who understand those challenges and can build better credit building solutions, uh, investment and saving solutions, alternatives to brick and mortar stores and payday lending, things that are ultimately going to help provide that type of financial empowerment and just aren't existing uh, in those spaces today. 
and so I, 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 you know, like you said, like, yeah, like the, there's going to be continue to be alternatives to Venmo and, and ways that we can do that. But a lot of the things that are really exciting too, are the things that, that folks like you and I may not see as much, um, but are really helpful in, in particular areas of, of the U S that just don't have access to the resources that, that folks like you and I do have. Well, I think you, when you talk about underserved markets, those exist here. And I think on many levels, those are still the, a lot of the, the, the emerging markets that you get outside of the U.S. as well. It's the same, mm -hmm. it's a similar kind of need in a lot of regards. And, you know, you see some of that you hear about countries and, well, all right. So you mentioned you had been down in Sao Paulo, but mm -hmm. right next to that, you have Argentina, where the Argentinian peso is worth 20% of what it was three years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's levels of like financial stability that that deflate for a lot of citizens like how. OK, so. All right. If I was outside looking in, if I had bought property there as an American three years ago, I'd be like, wow, I just got an 80 percent discount. I run into some of this stuff in the Philippines, too. You know, and, mm -hmm. the, and there's mm -hmm. I don't know, we could see, hopefully see a stabilization. And some of that, because I've watched the U.S. dollar go up and down like a yo-yo over the last mm -hmm. year compared to foreign currency. And, and here's the thing is that makes it really difficult for me to to be a global entrepreneur on a lot of days. And then some for of sure. it, too, is I don't understand why it why it costs thousands of dollars for me to send the same wire that it would if I only sent one tenth of the amount. Like is the is yeah. the trend did someone disrupt that? I'll be your first. I'll be your first customer, but yeah, some of this stuff makes yeah. it like a stabilization or predict making some of this stuff a little more predictable or hedgeable or something would be really good. Cause if you, you don't realize it, but there's just money flying internationally everywhere all day, every day. And, and there's this, like, I don't know, you talk about that one to three day thing for a wire. Like by the time that money gets to a, another place, it could be worth three or 4% less. Totally. Or, or you never I mean, know. This this, this is what we were working on when I was at Ripple, right? Is better efficiency for cross-border payments. And one is, is here in the U.S., we have a phenomenal access to the U.S. dollar, which you, yeah. I, I, I admit I did, took for granted. You know, you, oh, yeah. you grew up here, you get paid in dollars. But in places like Argentina or Manila or Turkey, where you see these credible points of inflation, to your point, like you send a, a transaction, it may be a very different value by the time it gets there. No. And then two, kind of circling back to, to Bitcoin, one of the main reasons why Bitcoin first took off was because it helps you hedge currency inflation. Like if I'm in Argentina and the peso is going up by an incredible percentage, I still have access to Bitcoin where I can purchase it and, and hold on to it and, and still have some relative stability. So that, again, it's another ways of, of how financial technology is not just needed here uh, on U.S. soil, but certainly when you're making transactions internationally and for those emerging markets. Yeah. And I, you know, I like to start, I like to end my episodes of Startup Hustle with what I call the founder's freestyle. And, you know, you're, you're a founder of a fund, so you qualify and, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. I think that, you know, and, and like I said, I'll give you the mic here to, to mention or discuss anything that you think we left out or any key points, or I don't know, maybe you just want to rap or sing or it's a freestyle. So you, you here, here you go, man, here's the mic. I love that. I can't rap or sing, so I'll keep it to just some. <laughs> some, some Neither some could the people thoughts. that did on the show before, so you're good. <laughs> good, yeah. good. I'll uh, um, I'll practice next time one more. Um, no, one is is um, listen. FinTech is one of the most exciting spaces that you could be paying attention to. So for any of you who are listening, and maybe this is a newer topic, read and research. There's some phenomenal resources out there, and pay attention. 
And the great news is it's going to make all of our lives easier over time. Two is, you know, financial technology is by far the greatest driver of financial mobility and access. So, so for those of you who are listening and maybe are thinking about how things can get better, whether you're in a different country or just in an underrepresented part of the U.S., there are some incredible solutions available to you if, if you're the entrepreneurs yourselves, start building. Um, and, and three is the world in which we know it is going to change a lot. And financial technology is going to be a key part of that change. Um, so, so get excited because, you know, it's going to be a very, very different world a decade from now. And, um, you know, I just feel very lucky to get to talk with people like Matt and get to work with some incredible founders who are leading that change. Because at the end of the day, as a venture capitalist, my role is to set the stage. I'm the roadie. I'm not the, the rock star, but I get to work with some incredible rock stars out there. And so I, I, I truly feel grateful, as I'm sure you do, Matt, to just be able to work with some incredible founders and help set the stage so that they can go out there and and yeah to burn burn the house down i i don't that's probably not the right word for that was that was the that was the most non-vc statement like i was like man i'm gonna actually chop this out because i i have on record a vc saying i'm the roadie and not the rock star which you might go viral man i might have to i might have to i'll put that on a reel or a short and five million (laughs) views later um yeah, please do. People forget the order of it. What we do is it's been done before and it's it's not easy, but um, we're not we're not the ones who are bringing this to to, to the forefront. Some might disagree with that. We are we're not those people. Hey, it depends who you ask, right? Yeah, I think on the yeah. way out, I think the thing I need to bring up and tell everyone is, you know, as long as entrepreneurs can spot a problem and the best way to solve the to spot a problem is I like to say, listen for the echo. You hear the same thing come up over and over and there's this resounding echo that begins to ring in your ears and your head and you're like, wow, this is there's a, that's how I spot a problem that that is worth solving. You hear people complaining about the same things and look like you look at something like fintech and you got to niche it down a couple notches. I mentioned lending standard being one of our more venture back companies here in my hometown of Kansas city and, and like them solving this specific lane, like find what that lane is in and around an industry or something you're familiar with. And, and you'll, you know, cause I think you probably could have looked at something like plaid years ago and been like, why do I need this? Well, now everyone uses it. Same thing with Stripe, like Stripe, Okay, some of the best advice I ever got on this podcast was not the advice that Stripe followed, and that was be a coward. And like you say, be a coward, it means find something that no one else is doing and go somewhere where you can be left alone to get really good at it. Don't be a hero. This is the cowardly part because it took me a second to kind of like sort this out, but don't be a hero and try to take on the giants because you'll get squashed underfoot. Now, Stripe said, eh, I don't think we're going to listen to you on that. And they have this specific Mm -hmm. niche. And I mean, I tell you what, man, I see people building platforms all the time and that's the only point of financial Mm -hmm. connectivity. So, you know, it takes a while, it takes time. And, and, you know, with that, um, you know, embrace, I like to use a phrase I invented called democation, begin to demonstrate and educate what you do at the same time. I don't, I think Mm -hmm. I invented that. I mean, I've never heard anyone else say it. No, I like it. Doesn't matter. It's not worth anything. I didn't copyright (laughs) it. It has no royalties behind it that I'm aware of. But, you know, with that, you have to sometimes you have to demonstrate and educate the solution that you've created and what that that's built 
everything in its in its early stages requires demonstration and education. So be aware that you're going to have to do that. Cause I think some people build things that are a little bit ahead of their time and they're like, man, I don't understand why everybody doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Well, cause not everyone gets it. They're not in the <laughs> business of getting it. They're, they're in the That's business right. of trying to make a transaction one way to the next and the fa- better, faster and cheaper it is to do that, the more adoption you're going to get. So it's just pretty much simp- that simple. And no, investing in fintech is not dead. It's not going any it, fintech and health tech are two things you're not going to ever get. I mean, that's, those are, those are whales that are never, that are always going to be swimming in the seas. And if either one of them were to go away, then I think the rest of everything else goes away. So a lot, we lot need of to stay room. healthy and we need, we need to make and spend money and transact hundred percent. Right. right. Or yeah. spend more money being healthy. <laughs> and that's, it and still that's where we like right? to participate. That's, that's that intersection that, that All we right, I'm, I'm going to get busy cutting out this, this clip of a VC saying that I were the roadies <laughs> and not the rock stars. So I got, I got to get to work. Marcus. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thanks so much, Matt. It's been fun getting to chat with you. Appreciate you having me on. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.